Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sons of Comics podcast. My name is Steve, and I'm here with Gabriel. Say hi, Gabe. Hey. And I'm also here with Scott. Say hi, Scott. Hello. Uh, we have a great episode planned for you guys today, and it is about a very controversial issue in um, Marvel Comics world, and it is the topic of the major Marvel event of Civil War. Uh, Civil War was done in 2006, or at least started in 2006, if I'm not wrong. And um, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. So um, I'm just going to kind of go over it briefly. Civil War um, was based on a set of events that transpired in the Marvel Cinemat or the sorry, just the Marvel Comics universe, um, in which a bunch of young superheroes that were um, they're I don't know they're pretty immature had a uh, a reality show. And the, it was the, the new warriors. new warriors. Yes, the new warriors, um, and they came upon a house that was filled with supervillains. And um, this is like in their attempt to try and get their ratings up, but it ended up being that one of the superheroes um, knocked the supervillain Nitro out towards a school, and in the which he used his superpower, which is um, to make huge explosions. And in the course of his explosion, he killed basically like an entire school and leveled, I guess, several blocks worth of a city of Stamford. So, so it was basically like a scene out of Man of Steel. Pretty much, where there's <laughs> ginormous dis, uh, destruction everywhere, there's people dying, and it was basically chalked up to be a huge superhero blunder. Um, now, from what we read in the comics, um, a lot of events had been leading up to this event. This was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, so to say, in the which people are not putting up with superheroes' crap anymore. There's too much collateral damage, uh, they need to be held accountable... And in the course of, of the cleanup, Iron Man kind of, um, he feels obligated, especially when one of the mothers of the dead children confronts him and says, you know, you're a piece of trash and you, you know, you superheroes have no regard for the law and for, you know, people's safety. So he takes that to heart and basically pushes uh, into legislation the Superhero Registration Act where superheroes must be registered under the, I guess it's the federal government, or at least with S.H.I.E.L.D., divulge their secret identities to the authorities. Um, they'll be given a government payroll. They'll be set up into teams, to, um, and they'll also be given training, better training, to ensure that there is public trust, that they are made federal agents, that they are, I guess, being the best superheroes they can be. Now, the argument here starts when Captain America decides that he does not want to hunt down his friends and make sure that they conform to this law, which he disagrees with. So, our goal, I guess, today is to bring our arguments to the table and just talk about why we either are for superhero registration or why we are against it, and then at least offer some solutions to this problem. I know it's just comic books, but in the sport of fun, we like to say what if, or it would have been better if, and um, we'll go from there. But, yeah, um, uh, so. it's also worth noting that we volunteered to take sides, so like like a classic high school debate tournament, uh, we're going to argue each side, possibly even proposing arguments we don't necessarily agree with, but still try and win. <laughs> Absolutely, because that's fun. Yes, yes. So... 
Um, Gabe, I'd like you to go first. Would you bring your ar- arguments to the bench, please? The defendant <laughs> may now step forward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. Where to begin? Um, well, let's start... Let's start with uh, accountability. We see that in, in well, in most of these comics, especially in individual storylines, um, you have superheroes that do take accountability for the actions, and others that just, you know, um, that kind of, I guess, to just throw it out there, kind of t- don't really take into account their actions as far as the public eye goes. Um, what I what I do a lot of times is I relate this to um, to what we see in everyday behavior. You have people that you know that are um, people that are mature enough to take responsibility for their actions and try to make reprimands or try to make amends to their actions, seeing if they. Uh, if they cause like a negative impact on a person or society's life. And then you have people that we all know, uh, that, you know, just kind of do what they want, thinking that they're entitled to do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want to whatever they see fit, you know, um, with this, with, with the events that happened to begin with, like Steve mentioned, you have a group of, uh, you have a group of inexperienced superheroes that you know that are that are basically trying to follow your everyday human trend. You know they have you know think to yourself why you know why would a group of superheroes need need to make a reality TV show or you know why you know why would they why would they incorporate their sense of justice into into a, a social trend. Um, you know, just think, just based on, you know, based on that argument alone, that's how, that's what I'll bring to the table firsthand. Uh, you know, uh, like I mentioned before, I'll play both parts. I'll play both being for it and against it. Uh, in the in the aspect that you know, we, not only the superheroes but even ourselves should take responsibility for our actions. You know, have they have they thought out previously? Um, you know, the fact that that they're dealing on a on on a supernatural level that that your average human can't handle, and for the fact that they that they you know went out and uh, they went out did what they did, and the result of it was the death of everyone except for Nitro and Speedball. Like you think about it for for what they've done. It's I you can't and it's hard to tell did the others learn their lesson well they're dead it you know you can't you can't really get that feedback from them but you know if you're to take uh you know you take Nitro's version of it it was you know hey that was self defense like you know I was his view could have been easily been hey you know I was just minding my own business until some fool came in bust through my bust through my window pushes me out of my house into a school bus and then boom you know i defend myself i blow up the whole block plus everybody else that was bugging me yeah to be you know, honest no nitro right. was unprovoked like 
it was totally unprovoked. I mean, those villains were kind of just sitting there, and then those young heroes just like you marched mean, in. Provoked. Yeah, exactly. That there was no reason. You're you're arguing it was provoked. Oh well, that's true. Um, you know, if you on the provoking stage, if you think about to the fact of you know the superheroes, it's their their mentality was, you know, hey, we found a group of bad guys, let's stop them before they even think about doing something that they shouldn't. And so in their eyes, it's, it's you know, we took, we took initiative, we did whatever means necessary to stop them, and, you know, we did, we did it for, quote-unquote, the righteous cause. You know, a lot of people out there would say, a lot of people that are fans of these heroes would say, you know what, they kind of did the right thing. But when you take a step back to the bigger picture, it's, uh, do they really do the right thing? And when you know that their motives behind the fact that what they wanted higher TV ratings, you start to think to yourself, now, is that, you know, is that justifiable? Could you call that a sense of justice? You know, I'm that, you know, if you take this to, to a non, a non superhuman level, you know, that's like me busting into your guys's house ripping you out, throwing you up against the car. And my, my act of justice was, oh, you know, in my eyes, I did it to, I did it to prevent you from fur making further harm. And I'm sure a lot of you out there would be thinking, uh, no, you didn't. You know, I was minding my you own business. It, so so you did <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, arguing for the case of these superheroes, you know, it's, it's, uh, like I mentioned before, it's, you have that warped sense of justice going through a lot of people's minds. And what I find interesting is the fact that this was published around that, the time frame of 2006 to 2007, as far as the storyline goes, um, that's kind of the year or era when kids with that type of mentality around, I guess, it was more popular among teenagers during that, during that time period, you know? Uh, we're what 2015 so jump another eight years those you know your average teen ranging from 13 to 19 now that now it spans to 13 to 22 sometimes you know they're now adults and with that type of mentality is as you can see uh i you know in a sense you could tell that the writers kind of knew how society was going towards and implement that here into the story um now, to argue the fact of the villains, uh, you know, that's, it's bad enough that they, you know, it's bad enough they're villains. No one really likes villains in any shape or form. But then at the same time, with what happened to the villains during this, this during, you know, during that raid, you know, you argue their facts. Um, you can argue the fact both ways as well. You know, hey, they, you know, they had to have been stopped. They caught them off guard, which was you know, prime time for the superheroes to catch them, so that way they don't have all that time to to create this big old plot. However, you do, do have something. to give the supervillains credit that they did, you know, set up shop near a school, which would have been a good idea for in their I'm mean, in their own defense, getting near a school like any experienced superhero would have been like, okay, we have to get them away from the people first, like into a deserted area to take care of them then, and that's like. But I guess what we've already discussed, these inexperienced superheroes should have thought it through before, you know. I mean, they had the element of surprise, but that didn't go very well in their favor when it came to, like, collateral damage. Well, 
how, exactly. how experienced are the villains? Because the villains should have... That should have been the first card they played. Is like, hey, hey, we're near school. You guys really want to do this? Yeah. But exactly. they didn't even mention it. And so that was kind of dumb on the villains' part, too. Seriously. Yeah, and, you know, like we... You know, it's 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 safe to it's safe to say that you have inexperienced superheroes going up against inexperienced villains, and you know it's not like there's it's not like oh I wake up with superpowers there's a handbook, you know that shows me guidelines of what I what I should and shouldn't do. Let alone, um, I guess you could say like a player's guide for a superhero. And the same thing with the supervillain, you know they don't it, you know it, with time comes with experience. Um, Unfortunately, time showed in that short time spirit, uh, time time frame that only two will get to live the experiences, uh, being Nitro and Speedball. <laughs> but um, but go, arguing for the for the supervillains, the fact that you know you guys are right, they were they were next to a school, they were they were pretty much living like living their lives like you and I do. You know they they're in this apartment, and it's. You know, for all we know, it's probably the only thing that they could have afforded at the time or, you know, or the only place that they could find. Or maybe, you know, it was it belonged to one of them to begin with. You know, you don't you don't get too much um, backstory on on the on the reason why they have that location, except for the fact that, like you guys mentioned, small details. They're next to the school. They're in the middle of the city. It's not like they were on the outskirts or in the suburbs. It's, they're right smack in the middle. And, you know, arguing for the supervillains, like we mentioned before, they were minding their own business. They, you know, yeah, sir. Yeah, you could argue the fact, hey, you know, who's to say that they weren't all, they hadn't pre-plotted something. Or they had they, or maybe they're just taking a break from doing whatever they were going to do before they implemented their next, you know, their next strategy on attacking, you know, either the public or targeting specifically yeah, but, a superhero but at the same time do. yeah in the real yeah. world you in the real world that's why you need a warrant you need some actual like you need some actual probable cause that they are in the process of doing something you found evidence of it and you're going to come in a, whereas in this case it's like oh we just happen to find a nest and we don't know what they're doing but they're super villains attack exactly you know that's it's comparable to you know little kids you know, throwing a rock at a at a beehive. You know, oh yeah. hey, check this out. Well, bam! And then you know, That's what happens at the end? <laughs> exactly. And so you know, back to the argument for the supervillains. You know, what 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 choice did they have? They got attacked. They got blindsided. So of course they're going to retaliate. They do you know? what supervillains do. Exactly. And yeah. you know it. And what's funny is if you ask. On the side note, real quick, if you ask me on my view of supervillains, they're pretty interesting because um, it's you have certain supervillains out there that that uh, that you know they're they're prompted mostly by negative feelings, negative emotions that they've experienced, and the only way to kind of vent through that is through their negative actions towards everyone else. It could be because it's all they know, what they've been taught. Um, you know what they're feeling. It you know the the reasons range and vary, but at the same time, you got some supervillains that that's how they start out before they become heroes in the end. Um, you know it's very rare that you see that, but at the same time, it's also you know it's also a probability. Now with these superheroes, the fact that 
Um, I liked the fact that the writers used everyone being young. You know, everyone, you know, everyone does a lot of different, a lot of uh, dumb, naive things in, in their youth. Or, you know, unless you're one of those people that have your life planned out since you were three. But, you know, on average, you have, you know, when you're young, you don't, it's not like you're born with all this wisdom. You know, like I said before, for your average person, it's relatable that through time comes through experience and wisdom. And so with the supervillains, with what they did, uh, you know, they, like I said, they, their first in instinct was to retaliate. And a lot of it, and I don't know, unless you know someone that retaliates out of love, these guys retaliated out of defense. And for, and like we mentioned before, it, it's what caused uh, such a big tragedy that it caught the attention of, it caught, it caught, basically did more than just catch the public's attention. It caught world attention. We're talking anyone and everyone knew up until animals were talking about it, you know? Uh, you have, yeah, the villains thinking to themselves, hey, you know, we're getting ca caught off guard. We need to start making plans again. We, obviously, we can't take a break. Uh, you got superheroes thinking, you know, they, in a sense, yeah, they kind of did their job, but at the same time, what the heck were they thinking, doing what they did? You know, they, they, they risked the lives. They did more than just risk lives. They caused the deaths of innocents around them as well. And so, you know, arguing both points, yeah, it, it kind of helps broaden that perspective on, all right, this is, this is what had occurred. This is what could have occurred. This is what might have occurred. But above all, the big picture shows exactly what happened for what for what it's worth. Well, this is where I see the the disconnect. Like to begin with, is for one thing, with the whole registration act, why is why are the older seasoned veteran superheroes being punished for? something that the young inexperienced ones are being punished for i mean does that seem really fair i don't i don't see that being fair mostly because these superheroes like captain america iron man um everybody else included they're being punished when they all they've done i mean yeah sure they've caused their own fair amount of collateral damage but i mean not on this scale i mean honestly can you think of a time when I mean, the veteran superheroes have caused so much damage that it, it caused an uprising. I mean, I, I just don't see it. But, I, like, in, in defense of the younger superheroes, they they were misinformed. They were undertrained. And I know I'm, I'm primarily for, I mean, against the Registration Act. But in terms of what the Registration Act had to offer, yes, they do need training. They need better training. The younger superheroes do. But... I didn't think it was appropriate that the training would be done at the behest of either Shield or the federal government. I just felt like that was way out of place. You know, I and just, this, yeah. And this is where I step in with my argument. Um, see here, because I'm arguing for registration. So here's how, how many people like lynch mobs? Do you guys like? Do you like lynch mobs, Gabriel, Stephen? Do you nah, like them? Nah, they scary. Yeah, you uh, know why? They're interesting, yeah, the, but the scariest not... thing about them is that they're vigilantes. They are taking the law into their own hands and lynching someone they've decided is guilty. Um, 
often on sensationalist understanding, and they're they're breaking the law. Now, do you like? Now, let's also imagine too that you you have someone crash into your car. You know, you get in a car wreck, and you discover that the person who crashed into your car doesn't even have a driver's license. How angry would you go from? You're already ticked off if someone crashed in your car. How much more angry are you as soon as someone crashes into your car and you discover they shouldn't have been driving in the first place? Mm, they'd be very upset, of course. Very upset. <laughs> now, and the same thing, too, is like, you know, we, we register for guns. We register to drive a car. We, we register for things that require a proficiency because they're dangerous if you're not trained. And in this case, superpowers are freaking dangerous. And so it's, it's ludicrous that for anyone to expect the government to not want to try and curb the danger of all these superpowered people going around. And Stephen, you, you mentioned that people, you know, why are they punishing the, um, the older guard by things that the younger people have done? And I think that's the exact problem is that people are looking at this registration as a punishment as opposed to a means to be able to communicate, to have an official means to communicate to one, one another which super, you know, which supers are dangerous and which ones are not. Because if you look at the case that, you know, basically the ones you shouldn't have to worry out, worry for are the ones who are law-abiding citizens, want to do what's great for the good. Well by instituting a registration act, immediately you start to know which ones are law-abiding citizens because they will register. But in this case, how do you take into account the fact that, like, I'm going to use the example they use in the comics of, if I mean, if if they're going to be federal agents and they're going to be registered and they have to divulge their identities, what are you going to do about protecting protecting those that out themselves i mean well, in the case of spider-man i mean after reading reading his his story it was a terrible idea for him to out himself and, in public and, and is, for anybody who has family and loved ones they can't perform these super acts as super i guess and, superheroes while they're looking over their shoulder trying to protect their loved ones all the time and this is where the comic got jaw-droppingly stupid because you know, when um, when someone registers to buy a gun, are they expected to then go to town hall or get in front of a news crew or something like that and proclaim to everybody, I, I own a gun, gun now? <laughs> no, no. And so, so, yes, the government should have known Peter Parker is Spider-Man. But, at, but to then turn around and say, now you have to tell everyone... You know, so that the general public knows Peter Parker is Spider. That was stupid. Or just and so they can trust him. Oh, that's not. That's that's way out of way out of line. Yeah, that's way out of line. And that was out of. And that's and that was the problem with how Civil War portrayed the Registration Act is that that was out of the bound ba- boundaries of what a Registration Act should be. And that's why, th- that's why the pro-registration side just seems so freaking stupid and evil because. They kept overstepping their bounds out of like trying to arrest Captain America for not following the Registration Act before the Registration Act has even gone into effect. That is also true. 
which is that said though yeah exactly I I would like to point out I am not arguing that Iron Man is correct my argument is that a registration act should happen so I'm going to gleefully mention Iron Man's an idiot but the registration act should have happened I'm going to align with you on the fact that a registration of some kind is helpful and is meaningful and on, on some on some <laughs> I did not fully concede. You're supposed to be arguing against that. That's I will align with you that some kind of registration should happen, but not the one that they were proposing. I propose that it it was wrong for the federal government or the U.S. government was wrong to ask for a registration when it when a superhuman um, task force or superhuman affairs should not be handled by weaker and I'd mean that in the best possible sense, weaker institution. If we look okay, at the so, if we if we look at weaker individuals, you can't have the weak leading the strong. That just doesn't so, work that way. So um two things one question that might help your argument, uh but I uh one is are you arguing then that any registration act, even a well thought out one, would probably lead to abuse of power? Is that kind of where you're getting at? In the hands of any basic government that is that is manned or headed by an average human being yes okay so the second thing i would bring up then is um uh let's see is what are your thoughts on on might makes right my thoughts on the might makes right is the fact that the superheroes that like I said, the seasoned veterans, the old guard, well, as, not, you, as you've... Just the concept in general. Like, divorce it from this at hand mm. and just... Might makes right. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? How do you feel about the phrase, might makes right? Do you agree with it? Yes, in a sense, I do. Mm, okay. In a sense, I do. Um, and so... That is assuming that the might is also portrayed as being... What is right and good? I mean, I mean, okay, what, so, I, what, what I was getting so to was like the caveat that, in your opinion, what is right and good is automatically more mighty than what is evil. I guess in my instance, I'm I, I would say yes, and okay. then over the fact like if you have characters such as Iron Man, notwithstanding um, the comics and Captain America, those entities as a group or as a council providing a registration of some kind to its governing, like as a governing body to other superheroes would make sense. But to any lesser organization, I would say no. And I mean, governments cannot be trusted initially, and I only say that the superheroes can be trusted is because they are often put in situations that are almost impossible to choose the right. And they usually, I mean, if they're good, if they're good superheroes, if they're successful, they end up making the right choice regardless of their own safety and thereby I think that would make them mighty and able to make those kinds of decisions in behalf of their kind as superheroes okay so let's let's go with the theoretical then here um, imagine that uh, you live in a town where where no one uh, no one's allowed to have guns except for one person and this person doesn't have a gun they have a bazooka <laughs> and I'm, pull, I'm pulling this analogy out of my out of my uh, ass, so I apologize if. Uh, <laughs> but 
you know, it's like you have one person that they have a bazooka, and you are told you are not given. Um, it is decided that you, as a weaker person, not fit to wield this bazooka, have no say whatsoever in who gets that bazooka. You just have to take the um, you just have to take the word of the person who does decide it because that person is stronger, and therefore, since they're stronger, they deserve to you know they they deserve to decide, and most likely will decide themselves to to do this. I mean, w- would you agree with this? Does this feel like a just or even American way to handle a situation? I'm gonna take your uh, I'm gonna take your pause there as a no. And argue that you're phrasing that um, only superheroes should be should decide how other superheroes are dealt with. I agree. Skirts very close to the same arguments that fascism uses to pr- propagate itself. It's well, we're the ones who are strong. We're the ones who know what we're doing. You're just the common folk. You don't know what's going on, so you just have to take our word for it that what's going on is right. If a and if a would, human force could have handled the superhuman situations that the superheroes go through, the, a, I would then human, I would then I would side with it. But uh, you know, a human can uh, a human can go through the uh, can go through the things that a superhuman can go through. And I'll uh, bring you an example of one that can. His name is Tony Stark. He has no superpowers whatsoever, but he's got a freaking awesome Iron Man suit. And by your definition, he's still not a super. Because he doesn't have superpowers, and so he should have had no say in how these other heroes were decided. For some reason, they said he was the he was the bridge. Like you're you're the perfect pick to decide this whole thing because you're superhuman and not superhuman at the same time. You are both a uh, this... it, he's like a card carrying superhuman without a superhuman power. Yeah. Besides his and, and... besides his genius intellect. And, and this is where we run into the problem of. Um, super. How how do you even define what a superhuman is? You know, what I mean, it's like because you could make an argument that um, you know you you could make an argument that uh, like a really strong runner, someone who is just insanely fast, having trained day in and day out, um, they exhibit superhuman speed because it's not average. And that, and that's the problem. Is like when you look at the wide variety of superheroes that exist, it starts turning into a game of a law of, of the law of averages. It's like okay, we just look at the outliers and say they're superhuman. But if you look at that as a definition and argue that only superhumans should, it just turns into a muddled argument. And the only answer is to just have everybody tracked on record, above level, accessible to those who have a reason to access. And that's and that's how a government is supposed to work. It's kind of the whole need-to-know basis. But, I mean, at the same time, though, the American government is based off the idea that it should be accessible. We, you know, we as a technically a republic, but figuratively a democracy, um, we as citizens have a right to know the details about what's going on in our government. And if the con- and if within the confines of our country there are superhuman beings who are just doing whatever the crap they want, and we're lucky that some of them are good and are doing it altruistically for the benefit of people, but that still doesn't change the fact that 
a lot of these atrocities could have been prevented if we'd been tracking them in the first place so that we could have found those who are irresponsible. And especially in the case of this, uh, especially in the case of this opening atrocity where you have a couple of dumb teenagers with a reality TV show who didn't know what the crap they were doing, you know, as looking at it a different way, that's basically what you get when there is no public school system and a couple of uneducated yokels d- screw things up for everybody. It's like, well, in, in I, mean, f- I mean, well, yeah, I, I mean, tracking superhumans is, is, a, is a fine idea, but I mean, when you think about our country and any other country, how often do you believe, I mean, has America like done things in their own best interest, even when we probably shouldn't have done it? I mean, that's why I don't think a, a human like the, the U.S. government or S.H.I.E.L.D. should be governing superheroes, why superheroes should be governing their own kind. I mean, look at the Justice League. I mean, they basically did that for themselves. I mean, they trained their sidekicks to become parts of the Justice League, which works out very well, I think. And, yeah. I mean, if the if the superheroes had done their own training of superheroes, that would work out very well, I think. And I don't think that, I mean, the U.S. government could handle such things. I believe that the absolute corruption of power would come and that America would soon be asking superheroes to do things based on what, a, what they think America should be doing, whether it's right or wrong, whether it's interests in other countries, whether it's interests within the country in its own favor, or to use them as suppression weapons or, or whatever. But in most situations, the good superheroes are, like you said, the altruistic ones will do things for the right of mankind, and will do it without thinking about, you know, what interests their country is. Especially if there's a council. It can't be one. It can't be one person. Too much power goes to one person, it's all over. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just, that's what I think. Gabe, do you want to weigh in? Um, sure. Since I'm a, kind of the neutral party, uh, you know, I, you have to, you have to, like I say, like I say before, you have to take in account for both aspects. Um, you know, I, totally agree with certain aspects that uh you know the the superheroes should be able to govern themselves because after after um putting in the factor all their experiences all their um you know all their journeys all their hardships all their knowledge uh you know summed up in one they they should be able to distinguish what is it that allows them to benefit the welfare of others versus the welfare of just themselves or a select group of people, you know? And then in contrast, when you think about what they do, you have, you know, you could easily, you could easily put in the fact, Hey, you know, not only does that have to be governed, but that has to be watched. That's to be watched what they do, how they do it, where they do it, with who, with who's, who's all involved, who's not involved. And, you know, you, you go from, you go from both extremities knowing that whether, whether it's right or it's wrong, there's always going to be some type of consequence, both good and bad, that will trail along. And it's, and from a neutral point of view, it's, it's just, 
you have to understand um, kind of the balance of nature. The not just well, not so much balance of nature per se, but the balance of how of how uh, good things can either outweigh the bad, or how the bad can outweigh the good, or how both just kind of cancel each other out. Uh, you know, with the whole registration act, you know, you go for it because you need that accountability. You need you need a track. You need to see what's going on. That way, you know, you're well aware, well educated on on you know what these superheroes are doing, where they're doing it, how they're doing it. You know, who who's telling them to do it. Or is it based on what they think is their sense of justice? Uh, you know, and who's it benefiting? Is it going to benefit me and my family? Is it going to benefit just them? Is it going to benefit the country as a whole? And why? And then in contrast, you know, being against it, it's you, you take into account, okay, so it's, it's overwhelming enough that I'm taking care of, you know, as a superhero's point of view, I'm taking – or. Or you know anyone with 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 them, I guess you could say in this case above average abilities. Um, you know, it's bad enough. I have to not only watch my back, I have to watch the back of others that I love as well. You know, having that exposed to my enemies. Now I'm playing double duty. That's the reason why I don't get them involved. Why? Because um, you know it. It's you know villains on average will take that into account. And hold that and throw throw that back against you, you know they see that as your weakness. With with certain my season superheroes, is, what's that? Sorry, my question though is how would the villains learn if it's not made to be public knowledge? Like if it, it's not the fact that they learn whether it's made to be public knowledge. It's just the it's just the fact that it's out there. If you notice with many supervillains in the past, they'll take. You know, a lot of them, or the, a lot of supervillains out there are the type that they'll take anything as a win. You know, if they found out that your favorite toothbrush is your favorite toothbrush, they'll take it, crack it, pee on it. You know, they, they don't care what. They'll do whatever it takes to piss you off. Oh, my gosh, that, that issue needs to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know? The reptile uh, lizard finds <laughs> Spider-Man learns Mysterio peed on his toothbrush. What is he going to do now? <laughs> and what were you Mysterio's know. motives? No one's going to know. They're Mysterios. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, uh, you know, I'm glad I'm glad you see the I'm glad you see that point of view like they don't they don't care. Like I mentioned before, they're they're most supervillains are in the state of mind of I don't care. I'm I'm pretty pissed with you, and you're gonna pay with your life one way or another. It's and true. that's you know that's kind of there, a lot of these are drawn out to to have that type of mentality, and that's kind of like their their whole goal. But then you got super villains that actually have a brain that think you know I understand I could use my powers for good, but screw that you know I've, it's bad enough I had to deal with my own hardships. I'm gonna do my thing, whatever I want to do, whatever I say is gonna go. And, you know, go ahead, I dare you to try to stop me, see what happens. You know, you got the different, even among superheroes, you know, it's kind of the same same deal. But, like, back with the whole Registration Act, you have, like I was saying before, you know, being against it, you, you have to, you know, you, now you have an act that's invading your privacy. You have an act that's making things harder for you as a superhero to do what, in your mind, superheroes 
do as it is. And if I can you know, interject here, I'd like to say that the fact that the superheroes would be getting paid is a big is a big loss to them. And whoa, I understand whoa, whoa. that I understand that, that getting <laughs> actually, Who said get, they're getting paid? Well, I mean the registration act says they're gonna be on government payroll. Yeah. Is that what the- it does. Oh my it says that. I missed that detail. So, uh, well, that's, well, get ready. I'm, I'm about to lay some shiz on you. Thing. I'm going to chalk that up as a as another detail added by stupid writers who don't understand <laughs> how law should work. So, I don't get paid for having a driver's license. I, I don't get paid for being registered for a handgun. You're so switching sides on me now. <laughs> but that's the funny thing about it, because when you think about it, certain, certain people that go through... Um, uh, I guess general generalized registration, but with the specific get um, get those types of benefits. Like think about it, you none of us get paid for having a, a class, a, you know, a, a normal class D driver's license. But think about those with the commercial driver's license. Ninety um, percent of people with a commercial driver's license get paid for having that type of license. Why? Because they're driving school buses, they're driving a uh, hazmat cargo, they're driving commer- uh, you know commercial vehicles. Um, same thing with, uh, with those with a gun permit, those who join the military, you know, have to abide by the same rule. They're registered, uh, not weapons dealers, but, uh, what's, I can't remember the official titling, but the fact that they have, they're registered through the, through the U S government for using, for use and handling of weaponry. You know, and the, and you know they get paid by U.S. Ta- tax dollars to do so. Even with um, those of you that are familiar with uh, the fighting world, there are you know boxers and martial artists are have to register their fists. Why? Because we know that they train, you know, that they're trained to, uh, to either maim or kill with their body, and you know it. It's a, it's a little different because they're paid based off um, off the events that they participate in, which is more of a social slash public public um what's the word uh, more on the level of the so- of society and and you know public entertainment versus on a government level. But you know the government steps in to kind of have to keep that under control so that they're not you know going around just punching the lights out at anyone and everyone that they feel like but here's and the, of course, here's the problem a... with that though is that superheroes getting paid is going to cause people to lose true respect for what a superhero does and now I... tell you, and I'll tell you why because people people you know expect a certain level of altruism from a superhero and for them to just show up and start doing their job will cause people to think well they're just do- they're just here because they're getting paid they don't really care people are going to start to lose respect for superheroes once they figure out that they're getting a big fat paycheck from the government and that's just what i think and i i'm going to argue against that because i you know who you know who gets paid to respond to disaster a uh, fireman or a fire person because they're you know and i guarantee you that nobody on 911 was sitting there thinking, oh, you firemen for doing your job. I don't like you because you're not charity workers. You're getting paid to do this. People respond to being helped, and they don't care where that help has come from. They only care about the fact they're being helped. And if superheroes getting paid 
the funny thing is, is what what's the basic plot for most supervillains? What do they mostly tend to do? Rob a bank. Why is that? Because they're broke. <laughs> Though it's ridiculous that most of the time they're broke, you know, they they they're broke and need to rob a bank, but that they use a high-powered, um, you know, some sort of high-powered technology or weaponry that they could easily sell and make money from. But that's a different <laughs> argument for a different time. But you know, I mean, it's like a lot of times. So just incentivizing, you know, uh, incentive. I don't know how to turn that into a verb. Uh, turning, you know, giving them an incentive for registering would help to curb a lot of supervillains who started off just wanting to rob a bank and got flack for doing that and then just kind of stuck to their guns and just kept going. Whereas if they would have been like, wait, I could be paid to use my powers I've now discovered that I have? Sweet. Wow. <laughs> the government's treating me pretty well for doing this. Although, although... And, I mean, what, why, like for a service I mean, that was a once of... free, like for a service that was once free and now is getting paid for, I mean, that's that's definitely going to cause a few waves, especially for new superheroes that show up. The new ones especially will take some heat. Oh, well, you had superpowers for this long and now you're only, you know, starting to help because you're getting paid. I yeah, mean, I think I think I think there's a break. Like for, for fire, like firemen have always been getting paid, but superheroes were never truly paid to begin with and now that they're getting paid i mean people will definitely look at them different although you do have a point uh, uh, i guess it does it does go back again to how do you define superhero because you could is superhero a profession or superhero just an ability you know it's like i i never define superhero as a profession i define it i define it as ability you know and so why not if you have the abil- the superhero ability when why not use that toward a worthy profession. I mean, if you have a registration act, this means that you can have superheroes who can openly work on the police force. You can have superheroes who openly work in the military. I mean, you already did because Captain America was already working for the military. Technically, Captain America was already registered. So, and when you're registered for the military, you suspend all of your rights. So, this is another detail where the comic was stupid because Captain America was already registered and didn't have a foot stand on uh, standing against this. But um, just by virtue of the fact that he's military, uh, boom, already registered. But, you know, I mean, just by, by, by having people be registered, now it's like, now it could push them towards, um, now, it's, now it could push them towards a profession that that you know a lot of people struggle with what profession to find anyway a lot of people are like what do i want to do that i find fulfilling that uses my abilities and as we can see most superheroes go into superheroing because that it uses their abilities and it makes them feel fulfilled and registering just provides a way to make that learning curve easier you know if spider-man was registered and this doesn't mean that he, that he has to shout from the rooftop so that everyone knows he's Peter Parker. But if he was registered, a registered public servant, J. Jonas Jameson wouldn't really have much leg to stand on by calling him a public menace because he registers New York City, thank you very much. And <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, granted, yeah. he probably would because this is America and we chew out our president regardless of who it is whenever. You know what I mean? And But even still, it's like it would have been different. It would have been... You know, that made it, you know, 
it would have just been a disagreement as opposed to the general public now taking it as gospel because there's no because Spider-Man's not able to speak back himself. If he had been registered, he would have been able to because it would have. Uh, but I'm, uh, yeah. So it's like I still fail to see how registration is ultimately a bad thing. You mentioned um, you mentioned too the Justice League. That, I think that's a very interesting comparison to make because you're right. The Justice League basically governed itself, and the U.S. government tried to get in. And be like, hey, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, we don't feel comfortable with all of you guys basically living in a satellite. And at any point, you can go rogue and attack us. But the difference there, though, is that for all intents and purposes, the Supers in, D- in DC, the Supers kind of formed their own, their own nation. And so even though they're still it's comprised of US citizens or people from different countries, a nation is defined as um as as a organized body that um answers to itself. And so and so by by forming a nation and by governing themselves, even though the American US government wasn't comfortable with it, even though they tried to, you know, even though they tried to get in on it, they still kind of had to accept the fact that the supers in DC had been proactive in governing themselves. And they made sure that it was clear that when someone went rogue, they did deal with it. And that's not the issue with Marvel. Marvel, it's it's just a pandemonium. It's just superheroes are just running, doing whatever. Nobody's governing them. You've got 50 billion of them in New York City and none of them in any of the other cities because those other cities don't have comic titles to their names. Um, but, you know what I mean? It's like nothing's governing those heroes. And so... I don't want to plug too much for DC, but I, I just think DC has a lot of things figured out that Marvel doesn't. <laughs> I know. I, I know that sounds like so one-sided. But I mean, I love Marvel and everything, but I just think DC... Ha- I mean, they... It it doesn't create as good a story like Civil War, but I mean it, it was smart on DC's part that they have well, they actually had like a governing entity of themselves that kind of put things together. And I mean just to plug their their sidekicks too, which Marvel really doesn't do sidekicks, but um, DC you know they train their sidekicks and their sidekicks had to earn their spot on the Justice League, and to do that they had to follow certain rules rules made by the uh, the upper body or the governing body of of the Justice League, you know, the big ones. You got Superman, Wonder Woman, all the vets, those that are, you know, based with altruism and have these great values and things like that. So, I mean... Yeah, well, to also plug in something for DC and slam Marvel a little bit here, um, Civil War is basically a less interesting version of DC's uh, comic title, Kingdom Come. That that comic, which anyone listening, if you have not read that comic, you owe it to yourself to go out, find the trade, read it as gorgeous artwork by Alex Ross, and just very well done. But it, it also deals with the idea of of heroes debating with each other on what it is to govern themselves. You've got a lot of the older guard led by Captain America and Wonder Woman and some of those people that... Are, you know, have basically stepped into, re- been forced into retirement because people have embraced the newer, younger, more aggressive superhero. 
only for that to turn when those aggressive superheroes start, just like in Civil War, creating, um, you know, creating uh, uh, collateral damage and, and casualties and everything. And so now there's a strife where, uh, where Superman is basically forcing these younger heroes to register, and those who are willing to register are brought onto the good fight, and those who aren't are thrown onto... They have an entire planet uh, that they can throw them onto and hopefully try and govern them and everything like that. But interestingly, Batman is staunchly opposed uh, to Superman's methods, and it, it's a really fascinating story that covers a lot of the same themes, but also has a really, really cool biblical sort of theme laid onto it. Read it. Everybody read it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely have to agree. I mean, DC has usually has things a little bit more thought out, and I think that's it's really neat of them. But uh, Civil War, I think that its main problem just with the story is the fact that no opposing arguments were even able to be given in court. Like it went straight from from Iron Man's mouth into paper and signing, yeah. and so it was just like, yeah. oh, we should do a registration next sign here. Oh, okay, done. You know, it was just it was kind of pathetic, and it was like, okay, honestly, if that's the way legislation worked, I mean, holy crap, we would have a super messed up country. Well, not that we don't already do, but you know, things would be so much worse right now. But I think yeah. it they at least you know should have said, well, there's a governing, there's a body of these superheroes that disagrees. Let's let's give them an open space where they can talk this out and see if a better arrangement can't be offered or if modifications to the current registration act could see, be offered, which would have been I smart. Would, which would have been smart. I would, I would have loved to have seen that, especially since it would have meant we would have had, um, we would have had Captain America showing up to Congress and basically having a Mr. Smith goes to Washington scene, like <laughs> you know, Captain America recreating Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I would love to see that because that just, I, I imagine he watched the crap out of that show too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to agree with that for sure, and <laughs> I think that would be incredible and amazing to see myself. But yeah. Yeah, there, yeah, it would have been nice to see these opposing arguments given in court and for things to work out differently. Just because I think superheroes know best how to work with other superheroes and how to deal with them, honestly. And yeah. as a plug for the other side, I do think at the end of Civil War, it was clever and at least right that Tony Stark kind of be the one, like this is arguing for the other side for registration, that Tony Stark be the one to kind of govern S.H.I.E.L.D. and to watch over you know, whose identities are revealed. You know, he said in his kind of final lines, I'm not going to, I wasn't going to, you know, let my friends' identities go to anybody but me. You know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to betray my friends to the Tell point. Tell that to Spider-Man. I know, seriously, he's, he's so pissed. He was so mad. And apparently they're not friends. Uh, no, he's like, we are not friends anymore. Iron spider suit in the garbage right now as we speak, you know. So I just, I just think it it was a good it was a good ending for the story like the basic story in a sense although I didn't agree with it but I thought at least Tony Stark would be the one kind of over the whole thing and he'd be able to kind of kind of protect his friends I'm not saying that it would actually work but you know those superheroes that just I just think they they'd lose out a lot on a lot but that's just me yeah well I guess if you're going to 
if you went ahead and argued some of my side for me, I'll I'll return the favor and. I guess, you know, it's like, I, I guess I can kind of see your guys' points that I think you're alluding to, but haven't quite stated, of just the idea that the problem with registration is that it gives, you know, just by, by tracking that information, it now makes that information more accessible to those who'd want to use it for, for um, wrong reasons. Like, anonymity is a lot of times a superhero's best friend. Uh, if if they're good. Uh, but on the other hand, though, anonymity is the public's worst enemy if they're evil. And so uh, the sword c- totally cuts both ways. And so you cannot, you, you really can't have it both ways. And But, yeah. It, it, and, you know, if you look at the idea of just freedom, and uh, you'll basically institute a bureaucracy so that, so that, uh, so that before a superhero can act, they have to make sure that they're abiding by the laws instead of just what a superhero normally does, which is act. Yeah, it doesn't but make, it doesn't I make a lot of sense. But I would then argue that training, and so I'm sorry, I'm still for registration. I still think, you know, there would be the <laughs> training, there would still be, you know, because that was the other thing that was promised too, is it, it, in effect, it's almost, the end result I would have seen with the Superhero Registration Act is it kind of would have, because when, once you create that act, it's not like it was final, absolute, and unquestionable. It could have been, you know what I mean? Like it, Apparently one can just go to Congress like Tony Stark did and just say, hey, how about we do this? And they're like, okay. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, but it's like, it would have been, I imagine it would have been amended. And I also imagine that even before it went into effect, you would have had, you know, like you talked about, you would have had a bunch of the different superheroes go through and... And I guess I honestly think I wish I would have had that happen because that that would have been cool where Captain America, who is the my biggest argument against registration being right, is the fact that Captain America is against it and Captain America is never wrong. Seriously. Um, <laughs> like, it's just, How do you argue with Captain? I mean, that, that's – I'm trying to figure out a way around that. But it's like – but if it had been allowed due process – that may not be the right word, uh, but – you know, if it had been like actually gone over and there had been heard both sides or anything like that, then you could have had Ameri- Captain America using America's own system. Sorry, using the United States of America's because there's other places in America. Using the United States of America's <laughs> own system of government to tear down this registration law and strike it instead of just no, I'm going full Rambo. You know, <laughs> which is what he effectively did. But I lost thread of the original point I was making before I went on there. I think that's been happening a lot amongst all three of us. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're bad debaters. It's um. okay. <laughs> it's all in good fun. I was honestly surprised, though, that you know there were, all the scientists were on the side of registration. I was so surprised. Oh, Hank Pym, Fanta- oh. you know, Mr. Fantastic. I mean, I thought at least one of the genius scientists would have came over to Cap's side, but... And that, that's that's what um, – that, that would be an argument – a really good argument is that the fact that all the genius scientists were on the side of registration might hint that maybe the registration side is right because they're not geniuses. For no <laughs> you know, but I mean you look at science. Science is um, – ultimately, ultimately, if we boil this argument down, we're boiling it down to 
to disorganization or organization. You know, it's like, should superheroes continue to be disorganized? Is that more beneficial for society that we keep them disorganized? Or is it more beneficial to society that we try and organize them in some fashion? And you look at scientists, scientists are unanimously for organization. Scientists are all about, you know, they're, they're all about, like, this is why they hate crackpot you know, homeopathic people so much because those are the people that argue that, you know, it's like, well, you can't just, you can't just trust what, what someone else has said. You've got to know it in your gut. It's like your gut is not, you know, that, that's not reproducible evidence. Well, I don't trust the American government, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't do the registration. I just, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, whereas scientists are like, no, I mean, it has to be information needs to be passed along and it needs to be regulated and it needs to be tested and you know i mean like it needs we everyone needs to basically by everyone being involved that causes to smooth out the stuff that is useless bullcrap i do have to say though i was impressed with sue storm leaving her husband just you know, after the events of what happened in the first big battle between the resistance and the pro registration, after uh, what was his name, Bill? Um, yeah. Bill, what was his last name? Um, it doesn't matter. His name was Goliath. But after he yeah, died, yeah. <laughs> I was I was honestly surprised she left him. You know, after he created what was in effect, you know, a cyborg version of of Thor who killed Goliath, and I was just. I was pretty impressed with her. I mean, even leaving her I'm children. I'm surprised she hasn't left him long before children. because he's the most boring person in the world. Oh, seriously. Um, <laughs> he's, a, he's a drag. Sometimes literally a drag because he stretches. <laughs> that was that was bad. Sorry. I'll oh, that, no, that was, that, was, that was fair. I'll let that one go. <laughs> that one stays in the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But... Um, yeah. Any other yeah, tidbits about like, like what did you what did you what did you or, like? And, like yeah. Why don't Why don't we just move on? I want to like just mention a couple of, like favorite moments from the actual comment uh, comic. Um, I think I you guys probably already know mine. I posted on our Facebook page and on our YouTube page um, that piece where Daredevil gives Iron Man or Tony Stark that uh, silver dollar or that that silver piece, and he's like, here's your you know, here's your 30 pieces of silver, Judas, you know, yeah. calling him a traitor. And I just thought it was, oh man, that was just, that was like a, that was a good zinger. I mean, that was just, yeah. oh snap. You know, I can't believe he just did that. Daredevil yeah. has to be like one of the, I don't know. He's just, he's just a badass. He's great. He's, he's great. awesome. And I if mean, you, and if you listeners have not yet listened to our discussion of the Daredevil uh, Netflix series. Uh, go check out our other, our other podcasts on the subject. Good plug, good plug, man. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. No so problem. that was that was definitely my favorite moment. Yeah, um, I think if I'm being perfectly honest, my favorite moment had to be when the Punisher was drafted for the anti-registration side. Oh gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You know, it's like you, you got Captain America, who's who's got these new people, and amongst you know amongst these new people that have been drafted and everything on anti-registration are some reformed villains who are still you know it's on record that they're villains and everything. I thought that was but cool. um, 
Yeah, so the Punisher gets drafted on. And of course, because everyone knows the Punisher, you know, it, Captain America's like, you can come on so long as um, you don't kill anybody. So, <laughs> Punisher shows up, see the, sees these two guys, and without a second thought, shoots them both. And Captain America, without a second thought, is like, get out. And it was hilarious. It's just, what did you guys think was going to happen? Of course he was going to do that. <laughs> He's the Punisher. He does nothing He's less than that. He punishes the wicked. He doesn't... <laughs> Mercy. He doesn't know that. <laughs> so... It's like asking freaking John McEnroe not to get mad when he's playing tennis. It doesn't right. happen. It doesn't happen. Right. So, yeah, I, I definitely thought that was... That was one of my favorite moments as well. I thought that was... Uh, it was almost hilarious in the fact that it happened. He's like, oh, they were bad guys, and I shot them, you know. Yeah, it, it really was. It totally felt like, <laughs> like a, it was set up like a joke, complete with a punchline, you know. Like, like I, I could swear Calvin and Hobbes have, like, done similar setups, where it's just like, set up one, you've got this. Set up two, da da da, da. Shoots person, and then punchline is, get out. That was, <laughs> yeah, yep. I imagine I'm I'm imagining that this existed, and I'm stalling because it's your turn now, Gabe, to uh, come up with a favorite <laughs> moment. <laughs> no, that's all good. Um, me, uh, I'm not the type that plays too much in the favorites. Uh, really, the just I, like I said, I'm I'm a neutral person. I I like to see the big picture and choose you from didn't there. Read the comic, did you? No, I did. It's just okay. That's just how I, I am. You hadn't. That would have been wonderful. <laughs> like, oh my no. god! I should have said no, huh? I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? I guess. I mean, it's just funny because like sitting here listening to you two talk about um, the the comparisons and the contrast between DC and Marvel. It's you know a lot of it. A lot of the writers kind of throw in their own political views on you know on these stories, especially with Civil War. You know it. A lot of it, a lot of it's similar. It's a lot of it's similar to you know our own country's civil war, um, you know bureaucracy versus democracy, uh, freedom to believe versus freedom what to believe. Um, you know, the fact that you have things, you have mysteries hidden in the dark and mysteries that are demystified to the public eye. You know, and <clears throat> the and what I've noticed between Marvel and DC, you know, yeah, DC. DC is very, very thought out, well thought out, very organized, um, very judicial. Thus, the name, the Justice League, you know? <laughs> and then, but like in contrast, Marvel, you have, like you guys said, you have a bunch of superheroes running around doing their own thing. And within, but then again, you have groups of superheroes that are governed. The X-Men, well, to an extent. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Fantastic Four. Yeah, they're a self-governing body too, yeah. And, yeah. you know, and the, and the list goes on. Like, it, I'm not going to, you know, blatantly point out more obvious stuff that, that's going to bore our, our listeners. But the fact that what I've noticed, too, is that Marvel likes to leave a lot of things open for interpretation more, more abstractly than DC does. DC, it's more, you know, it's more, it's catered more to the public guy that's used to the everyday situations that they see out, you know, out in their personal lives or on the street and how it's structured versus Marvel. It's like, oh, you know, 
where the heck did that come from? Like, <laughs> you know, it's, you got, like you guys mentioned earlier, when you think about um, the scientists that were for the registration, you know, a lot of them, you know, it's easy to debate both that a lot of them are free thinkers and a lot of them aren't. But at the same time, you know, you also have people, um, you know, that uh, conceptually street, uh, have a, have a thought process of the abstract. They, you know, they see, they see structure within the chaos itself. They see order within, um, you know, they could see the order of things within something that seems to be out of control in your average person's eyes. Who's to say that, you know, they, they aren't as unique as the rest. And so, you know, for me, that's, I'm kind of, I'm kind of similar. Like I can, it, 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 I just find it interesting that, you know, these different viewpoints from the writers are, um, you know, are portrayed in a way that you kind of have to not only read, but reread, but you kind of have to do your history on, you know, not only what's relatable to um, their writing style, but also to what's going on during, during the time of publication. You know, a lot of these writers, like I said, this was, this was written in 2006, 2007. And if you think about the political events that were going on, um, trying to think what, oh my gosh, that's so long. I, I don't want to date myself publicly, but you know, 2006, 2007, I think. That was almost was, 10, that was almost 11 and 12 years ago. That's actually, that is quite a fair amount of time, actually. Yeah. And, you know, I'm trying to remember exactly because what's funny is I'm not one for politics in reality per se as much as I am for politics in, and, you know, in these storyline comics, because, well, I'll be honest, this is probably, this is probably where most people, if they, you know, if they're able to relate the two, they're able to have an understanding of what goes on in real life. It, even though it's through an imaginary concept, but still it's, you know, the imaginary, these imaginary concepts are based on, uh, concepts that we go through on a day to day basis. And so, you know, for me, my favorite part of the whole thing is the fact that I get to kind of play around with these ideas and see what what's been interpret, inter, interpreted and laid out for different superheroes. And when you think about how else would we get, you know, the different trades like you've mentioned before, you know, you get after Civil War and even the events leading to Civil War, you know, every superhero has their own version of the story and what how it's affected them both past and present and even later down the road as time goes on. So I guess, yeah. so I guess yeah. you know, that in a sense, technically that's my favorite part of the whole story is my, uh, my justification or I guess my escape of being able to kind of re relay all this info, relay all the, all the tragedies and get inside the, get inside the mindset of, the, of these writers and the mindset of the superheroes at the same time and how, you know, how everything just kind of, uh, intertwines within itself, within within the rationale, within the mindsets, within the experiences, within the decisions that they make, both the writer and the superhero, and you know the list goes on. You know, it's like you can't help but think the possibilities are endless. It's true. Um, I think it's very cool that you know, at least from my perspective, that Marvel has done so many uh, Civil War plots because it's such a big event that they each have their own perspective of what it has done to them and um, how it has affected them 
and so on and so forth. So I'm, I was pleasantly surprised that each of them gets to tell their own story and how lucky we kind of are to, to have writers that actually take the time to think through what these characters are going through and to put it on paper and to put a story and a picture to it. It's, it's pretty amazing in my opinion. And uh, so, yeah, I, I am just such a big fan of the Civil War plotline and all that it uh, represents. But I think um, I think we'll move on now. I think we've <laughs> got our fair share of talk in about about Civil War itself. But I want to move on and talk about just a briefly about um, the upcoming Captain America Civil War story in film, and uh, talk about what uh, we think we can expect. So. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and just kind of start out with one prediction. Um, it's probably one that everybody else has, and it's that um, that Captain America is is going to die. I think they're going to kill him off in his, in that Captain America Civil War plotline. I think they're going to kill him off. Uh, what do you think, Gabe? What's, do you think, they're, uh, think they'll get rid of him? You know, it's funny because... I, I actually thought the same thing, and then the pop, and then the idea popped into my mind. Would it? They turned him, you know, kind of like Tupac, where everyone thought he was dead, <laughs> but in reality, he was still alive. You know, he's selling bigger T-shirts on Fourth and State for two for ten dollars. Like, who knows? But you know, in, in what my my personal opinion, I, I really think um, that's probably what, how they're going to portray it, only because we all know. <sighs> We all know producers, um, or movie producers in, in this case, like to they like to deliver that final blow to to like a famous icon, and they do it for the traumatic experience, the the empathy, the apathy too, um, you know, and just various other reasons. And my opinion, you know it. Yeah, it's a good way to make money, but at the same time, it's like, come on, man! Like, isn't there something better? <laughs> Between you and me, do you think I was killing him in the debate department? Uh, no, I'm here. Oh, now <laughs> I heard you. I may have timed that. You just got catfished. <laughs> I may have, like, you know. That may have been totally on purpose. <laughs> I have a feeling it was. <laughs> Welcome back, Steve. Uh, Can you still hear us now? Are you? Uh, uh, currently, yes. Okay, everything's. So, where does that leave us with the podcast? Are we gonna have to, like cut all um, out or just start? I say leave it the way it is. I mean, it's a perfect example of civil war itself. <laughs> uh. I'm going to have, well, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll figure yeah, it out. But anyway. Something. Well, I mean, I'll, uh... I, I was just offering my opinion on what I thought was going to happen with, uh, Captain America Civil War. And I, and I posited that, uh, they are likely to kill him and replace him with Bucky Barnes. That, that was my opinion. I, I see that happening. And I, and I imagine that he'd probably through some cosmic means or something like that, he'll probably be brought back for Infinity War Part 2. 
like I said, I was just telling Gabe that Marvel does not like to kill their characters. Well, I think don't. I think in this case though, I I think this would actually be like a permanent death, but it's sort of like a, um, it, it, it's sort of like a. I, I, the way I pictured it, it's sort of like a Captain America's brought back to join the fight, but he's still dead. And once the fight is over, he goes back to being dead. Is kind of how like I pictured it in my mind. Does that make sense? Oh uh, yeah. So it's yeah. sort of yeah. It's sort of like a especially like an elf. Like what? Nothing. Oh. But, <laughs> yeah. no, but I, I can think of like an example of that actually, where it's just sort of. I don't know. I guess almost like, like Return of the King or something like that. It's like he, he'll be. God, could you imagine like a whole ghost army of Captain Americas just sweeping over the battlefield, just like oh dear, kicking, I kicking trash and taking names. I want to see this now. <laughs> just me, okay. <laughs> but uh, but I'm just sitting here thinking about it, which is kind of funny. There's a ton of shields flying. Around. Yeah. Uh, a lot oh, of MMA and then the push ghost look like uh, you know just like sweeping over and like all the shields and back flipping and one will have a motorcycle that he flips over and smashes into someone's face and you know I mean just all the over the top cool stuff that Captain America has been doing yeah. and even the funny stuff you know you got one at the end that just like kind of shakes his finger at everyone <laughs> and everything's all said and done yeah. And then the last one to say, Avengers Assemble. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, Scott, you got any other predictions for Civil War? Well, uh, uh, I'm predicting, my number one prediction for Civil War is that unlike the comic, I think the arguments will actually make sense. And you know what I mean? Because with the comics, it's sort of, with the comics, officially, from upper management, it was Iron Man is right. But the individual writers, like you were pointing out, uh, like you were pointing out, Gabe, the individual writers were like, I disagree, and I'm going to go ahead and write why. And some of the writers <laughs> that were writing against it were better writers than the ones writing for it. So it went a long way to make the anti-registration side seem much, much better than the pro-registration side. But with, <laughs> with the Captain America movie, it's going to have... You know, it's not going to be a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of essentially individual writers writing whatever the crap they want, whether it fits in with the overall theme or not. It's there's going to be a bigger focus. And I think uh, and I think that I think the fact, too, that this is Captain America Civil War and not Avengers Civil War kind of right. towards who's ultimately right. You know, like, I think it, there's there's going to be a bias as to who's right that is actually opposite from the comics bias for who was right. And the comics is biased toward Iron Man, but since this is an installment of Captain America, well, his name's on the title, so obviously he's the one who's right, even though we're going to let Iron Man get some good points in. <laughs> that, so I kind of I predict that... I guess I think I just predict that the movie will... Pro- will probably address a lot of the stuff that when you were reading the comic, you're just like, that's stupid, <laughs> you know? Um, the, I think they'll... I think it'll just be a much more focused movie. I, I'm just excited. I'm excited because the Russo brothers are doing it, and they killed it with uh, with Winter Soldier, and 
And they also they really were a big hand in what made community really good. And they're they're really, really good at working with an ensemble of people and and just making everyone seem like kind of a dick, but also kind of charming and awesome at the same time. Because that was community in a nutshell. Like they yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I say was. It's still going. But um, you you just cut me off anytime you want me to stop rambling here because I mean when I stop and then I hear a pause I just assume that I can keep going and going and so um, yeah uh, other predictions that I have okay there was a pause I'm keep going yeah <laughs> cool. no, that's fine <laughs> um, the funny thing is is another prediction I have too is I actually think Spider Man because there's been a lot of big you know a lot of big news about the fact that Spider-Man is going to be a part of this, where nobody thought he was going to be. And effectively, Black Panther was going to be kind of substituted in Spider-Man's role, because, you know... Right. Someone always well, gave she said that T'Challa, T'Challa is going to make an appearance, too. Yeah, but... I yeah, exactly. remember that he's going to make an appearance, too. Yeah, T'Challa, T'Challa Black Panther, um, is going to... Uh, and in some ways, Gabriel, you you played the Spider-Man in this debate today because he was the one that was kind of like, you know, played both, you know, was on. He did. Yeah, he went both sides, <laughs> and it burned him. Spider-Man is one of my favorites. <laughs> but, and so, like, in adapting this story, because the it was announced they were adapting this before they got the rights to use Spider-Man again. People wondered how they were going to handle that, and it was just conventional wisdom that, oh, they're going to have Black Panther now be the person that's, like, on both sides of the issue. But now that we, they have Spider-Man again, the conventional wisdom's gone to, oh, now they have Spider-Man again. So he's going to do like he did in the comics. But I actually think Spider-Man will probably be a glorified cameo. Like, I don't think he's mm, going think to so. be in the movie as much as people are as expecting. I think, he, I think he'll show up, and he'll probably be, like, a really cool, like, a one-scene wonder. You know how sometimes you watch a movie and you finish watching it and you're just like, okay, there was this one this one guy that was in one scene and boy was he memorable. Who was that guy? And I kind of think that's how Spider-Man is going to be handled. Like just kind of pop into a scene. <laughs> I hope not. I, 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 I think so. I want them to give him a start. I want them to give him at least a The list. fact that it'll tick you off will make you want to see his movie more because you're like, I want to see his whole movie. You know what I mean? It's, just like Marvel to make me want to watch another movie. Well, in any case, though, I I'm looking forward to Black Panther. I, I've gotten I've gotten enough Spider Man. I, I love Spider Man as a character, but I'm like Spider Man <laughs> out, and I'm more excited yeah. for someone like Black Panther, who I still haven't been able to. One of the things I love about the these Marvel movies is that they've been great entryway entry points to characters I never appreciated before. Like I was never into Thor. And Captain America, I liked the idea of him, but I didn't know where to start when it came to his comics, or you know. And I always <laughs> flat out hated Iron Man, and you know, I mean, like all that stuff, and even the Hulk. Like I couldn't even like, I could never get behind the Hulk. But because of these Marvel movies, it's like, oh, okay, now the I can see why the Hulk is awesome, and I can see, you know, it's like I. I get these characters now because of the movie, and so I'm excited for Black Panther, who's never been in a movie before, because I'm looking forward to having a chance to get that character and understand what makes him tick and see why he's such a compelling and cool character, because he is, or so I'm told. Um, <laughs> uh, 
I was gonna say, I think it's kind of interesting that you know. Well, I mean, how how long would this? It's just it doesn't surprise me, I guess, is what I should say that Marvel is able to pull that off with these characters, like you mentioned. You know, no, I'll admit, I was kind of, I was, I was pretty similar when I was younger and I first saw the Hulk. I'm like, oh, big muscly green dude, big whoop, you know. Yeah. Retard can't even like control himself. Like, how's he? How's he a superhero again? And then yeah. you know, Tony Stark is like uh, a billionaire genius who, who made himself an iron suit and flies around and shoots lasers. Like, okay. He... And then you know, I grew up with stories. Um, you know, the way I was introduced to Captain America was <laughs> was similar to like word of mouth folklore by my mom <laughs> you know she goes, she's she you know because she she was into like you know comics and superheroes and i remember when she taught told me the you know the the family stories of captain america i'm like man he sounds pretty thin. and you know and then i just did the research on my own because it just you know it captain america it, it screams america nothing yeah. more hashtag american than captain america and that you know and then but now as you get older you start to real like you said you know after watching the movies it brings out the interest because why the original creators are the ones reintroducing them time after time after time to all these different generations you know these these characters have been around since when yeah. early 1900s you know and we're already they, you know some of well, these characters are almost characters 100 years old around since like the 60s um sorry this is me being no, you're right. on you. <laughs> but uh, out of all of them, Captain America has been around since like the 30s, 40s. I think it was like the, more the 40s, like because we were fully in the war when Captain America happened. But your point still remains. Right. Been around a long time. Sorry for interrupting. No, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I got to I got to get these back straight, too. But, you know, it like I said before, it's kind of. A lot of that whole word of mouth advertising of these heroes, you know, it. What's funny, actually, what kind of made me laugh is I have a friend back in Arizona, and you know, just to, um, you know, just to respect demeanor, I'll I'll leave, I'll leave his name out, but um, uh, it was what was funny was I told him a little bit about the stories of Captain America, and you know, at first he's like, oh, you know, that sounds like a pretty cool guy. And, you know, he saw my enthusiasm as we, as when the first Captain America movie came out. I, I tell him, dude, you know, come with us and watch this. You're going to love it. He's like, all right, whatever. Because he, he was thinking, you know, for real, you know, like a comic book hero. You really want me to, dude, we're like in our mid-20s. You really, I'm like, that, who cares how old we are? It's the fact of what Captain America stands for, the story. You're gonna, trust me, you're going to love it. Since then, you know, it was all history. He is, I think it's safe to say he's more of a Captain America fan than I am. Like, <laughs> like you yeah, know, America. after that, after that, you know, he went out, bought himself a Captain America suit for Halloween. He was Captain America. No, it was like, it brought the kid out of him. I thought, holy cow. And then I was the one saying, dude, we're, remember, we're in our mid-20s. You said so yourself. <laughs> and he's like, shut up, you. <laughs> it's like, I said, <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm excited just because I, I freaking love Captain America. Like I, and I appreciated him when I was younger, but I think it wasn't until the movies came out that I started to just absolutely love him as a character. Because even 
It's funny. I have a friend who is actually he's very politically minded, and he hates superhero com superhero anything. Like he's not like I try and be like, hey, you should check this movie out, and you know, it's like I still cannot convince him to see Guardians of the Galaxy, even though I'm like, this really isn't a superhero movie when you get down to it. But no, still fine. But um. <sighs> Uh, but one of the things too that I no, wish honestly, he, it's more. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, one of the things too that I wish that I could convince him of that he's just never going to is the idea that um, Captain America is. You know, people people assume make assumptions when you hear Captain America that he's just kind of this government tool. You know, like he he's just like they they think that he's going to be all America. You know, but yeah. He's a New Yorker, for starters. Um, he he, uh, where did where did you say he came from? From the Bronx? I can't remember. I, I've never been. Uh, yeah, he's just yeah, a boy from yeah. the Bronx. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like he's Captain America is actually pretty liberal. No, he's, he's from pretty, Queens, isn't he? Oh, he's from Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn. That's it, Brooklyn. Yeah, he, yeah. like, but he's he's actually the opposite of what a lot of people would expect. They. You know, it's like, if you were to hear the concept of the Civil War, you know, America wants you to register versus not register, the assumption would be, well, Captain America is going to do what the government wants him to do, right? And that's one of the reasons why I like, why I liked that they had Captain America be anti-registration, because he's like, no, this, this forces, you know, this is actually, this is an invasion of, of privacy, and it for, you know, it like, it forces us to conform to something and put ourselves out there when, you know, it's like who, who when we're, especially since the superheroes, we're constantly battling uh, people in the government that are corrupt. Why are you now asking us to put our personal information into the hands of government people who are, might be corrupt? You know what I mean? And yeah, and that's kind of how Captain America thinks. He te- He really does think along the lines of, like he he really does think along the lines of of just liberty. He stands less for America. And he, you could call him Captain Liberty, and that might almost be more accurate because he's it's he wants people to be free to choose for themselves and basically govern themselves, trusting that that type of system will result in the best in the best group of people, which is kind of what the founding which is what the founding fathers of the USA believed too, and. Right. I, yeah, America. Um, <laughs> but I'm also excited for a new Captain America movie just because, and the, again, this started with Winter Soldier. Captain America kicks so much righteous ass. Um, pardon my language. One of the best Marvel movies ever made. Yeah, like, I mean, he just, you know what's funny? Watching Winter Soldier, I realized something. Either of you guys play Metal Gear Solid ever? Yeah. Oh, Solid never. Snake. Sorry. All that stuff. Captain America Winter Soldier is basically Metal Gear Solid the movie. Think about it. (laughs) You've got the main character, you know, uh, you've got the main character who sneaks onto a boat, kicking the crap out of people all stealthily, and doesn't hold his punches back. And his main villain is a former comrade who now has cybernetic limbs that's been brainwashed. Um, Like, and then, of course... The whole MacGuffin of the story is a government super weapon that could now rain down terror on anyone if it's in the wrong hands. 
you know, uh, so as opposed to the Metal Gear, you've got these new helicarriers. Uh, not to mention, too, that his, you know, the person he answers to is a grizzled veteran warrior who wears an eye patch. Um, the list goes on and on. It's like straight up Metal Gear Solid movie, and I love it for that reason. <laughs> and well, it's funny because in my mind, it's like you can tell that's where Metal Gear Solid got its idea from was Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See how Captain America's been around a lot longer. Yeah, this is funny. Like when you think about, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of video games out there that are based off. Comedy. Yeah, well, Metal Gear Solid is a, sorry, Metal Gear Solid's a very superheroic spy game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree, it is. Yeah. And very fun, too. <laughs> I think... Uh, Alright, guys, well, I think it's time we wrap it up here. People are probably right. tired of hearing us ramble on, but yes, please... Check out uh, Captain America Civil War when it comes out. Uh, check out the comics if you can beforehand to get a good idea, although I'm not counting on it being exactly like the comics. I hope it's better. Yeah. Um, can I, can I actually put so. in a, uh, really quickly before you finish up, can I put in a plug for another comic that was happening at the same time as Civil War that didn't get as Absolutely. much? So it's funny when you look at the Civil War comic and how, you know, at the time that there was advertising um you know marvel's advertising was like whose side are you on you know and it would show like captain america versus iron man you know what i mean whose side are you on and some of the fans had um some some of the very snarky fans came up with a response which was hulk's side you guys are screwed when hulk gets back from space because he had shot into <laughs> outer space and landed on this planet and basically you know if you if you guys have not read the storyline that is an awesome storyline and that's where hulk was to basically make because it's like the writers knew that whichever side the hulk was on was going to win so they neutralized him as a factor <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that said though that is actually not the plug the comic i wanted to plug they'll read that i'm what? going to plug that one when you think about though, oh. all the um at the same same time you had all of these, the galactic superheroes, like Guardians of the Galaxy or the Nova Corps or Silver Surfer or any of those people, like, they all had their ongoing titles, too. And instead of getting meddling with the affairs here in Earth, because who gives a crap about that, they were part of, uh, they were part of a crossover event called Annihilation, and it is excellent. It, oh, yep. Yeah, like, mo that's what I mean. You, most people have not even, like, heard of this. Most people are not even aware of that because Civil War kind of was what more people are aware of. But the basic idea is that you have, um, uh, you basically have this this villain, Annihilus, has now become, like, the harbinger of this galactic force that is threatening to take over the entire galaxy to the point that all of the other galactic heroes are having to band together, including Galactus. It is that big of a threat that Galactus is is like saying to like the Guardians of the Galaxy and those people, it's like, yeah, I'll join you, I'll help you in on this. Because, holy crap, like, it's that much of a threat. And I especially read it because uh, most people didn't know about Drax before 
the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, but once that was over, he became like a fan favorite, like because Drax was just great, right? Oh yeah. Without spoiling anything, Drax kicks so much trash in the comic, and it's so he's so awesome. Like it's such a good comic. If go find Annihilation, um, that was what was happening at the same time as Civil War, and how the cosmic characters were left out of Civil War, and it's funny, there's even been, like, a couple of what-if stories published afterward. Like, what if the galactic people, you know, what if the cosmic superheroes tried to enlist the people on Earth? And that one was kind of funny just because it was, like, um, if I remember correctly, I think it was, like, Nova shows up and basically is just saying to Iron Man and Captain America, like, what are you idiots doing? We've got a galactic thing going on. You're sitting here arguing amongst yourselves? Morons! Get in line! It's it's great. It's... <laughs> So re and also one more uh, one more plug to to plug in um, after Hulk gets back from space World War Hulk uh, <laughs> pretty cool storyline anyway yeah um, yeah just it's, uh, that one too yeah Civil Civil War was just a good event just because you know regardless of how it was handled it led to a lot of really good storylines especially since um, especially since you know at the at the end of Civil War. What happened to Captain America led to a signature storyline that, uh, written by Ed Brubaker, that everyone should read. So, Civil War, regardless of how much you like argue about its quality, how well it handled its concept and everything, is definitely a very important storyline because some really great stuff happened in its wake. Well, I agree with that. And with that, I uh, just want to cap off the podcast by thanking for people for listening, those that do, and uh, to encourage you all to check out our other podcasts. Uh, we've got one on the Joker and also one on the uh, Daredevil Netflix series. So come check us out. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Good night.